This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh, <laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? I'm going full. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a goal! Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Wolves Fancast. We are here for a review of the first home game of the season back at Molyneux for the 22-23 campaign as Wolves secured their first point of the new season as well with a 0-0 draw against Fulham. Um, I've got Tom and Jafo with me. Um, gentlemen, it was uh, good to be back at Molyneux, I'm sure. I, I don't know who decided that the uh, flamethrowers were necessary, to be honest, because um, it was uh, it was a bit of a scorcher. Um, what, what did you make of just the conditions to actually watch a game of football? And it's a bit of a new one for us um, at Molyneux, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it was rather uncomfortable. It's something we're not used to here. Uh, and yeah, the, the, the flamethrowers, especially for us, like where we, me and you sit, Gully, Billy Wright, was just a little bit too much. It was just it, it put me over the edge. I, I mean, maybe it was just because uh, the main man chairman go was uh, was in attendance. I thought they had to pull out all the stops, but Tom, I'm sure I'm sure he didn't appreciate that that kind of blast of heat towards him either, did he? No, no, it made it feel a little bit better that Fulham probably Fulham fans suffered the brunt of it. I suppose it was right yeah, in front of them, so that, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I did not envy anybody who had to had to sit in the sun yesterday. It was absolutely uh, terrible the heat, um, but I mean. Coming, coming on to the football, uh, we'll have a look at the starting lineup to begin with, as usual. And uh, it was unchanged from the opening day of the season. As mentioned, uh, Chairman Go was was in attendance in a box with uh, Uncle George Mendes himself as well. And we'll come on to that a little bit later in the show and what, what that could mean for the club. Um, but new boy Gonzalo Geds on the bench uh, with a return for Adama Traore and Samedo really being the, the headline of, of the starting lineup announcement. Uh, Jafo did was was that welcome? I assume you know just harking back to that Leeds bench. I think uh, you know it, it certainly felt a lot better, didn't it? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that was the the one thing that was leveraged against the whole Leeds game is that we couldn't change anything. We couldn't bring anyone off the bench to, who had you know minutes as as a, as a senior pro, um, and to bring in Adama, who I know he's not played a lot in preseason, and Samedo, who who you know has just come back from injury. Um, they've still got all this experience where they could they can come on and hopefully make a difference, uh, and then get us. Hopefully, you know, in a couple of weeks he'll get up to speed and he'll, he'll start starting games. So to have three players like that, you know, uh, hundred million pounds worth of players to come off the bench is uh, really welcomed going into the uh, next few games because we're going to need it. Yeah, Tom, I don't know if you agreed with the, the zero changes to the starting lineup or not. Um, argument that the Leeds game was a bit of an unfortunate one given the chances that we created and perhaps we could have come away with the result there so would you have gone with the same lineup yourself? Um, I was half expecting it I think there was talk wasn't there about Huang maybe not being fit um, which was the only probably question mark and, and for that you know you put you put the new guy in ahead of him but um, yeah I wasn't I wasn't surprised and it's probably what I'd have picked all things considered I mean you know Geddes only had a few days with the team so it's, it was pretty unlikely that he was going to come straight in unless he was absolutely needed from an injury point of view. 
Yeah, I, I mean, when it came to the start of the game, we actually made quite a, a sharp start in the sense that some early chances, um, which weren't quite taken. Um, I mean, story of the game, clearly, with the zero on the score sheet, that missed chances were the order of the day. But first couple of opportunities, we had Neto going through. I know he was ultimately flagged offside um, with, a, with a one-on-one with a keeper. Um, Huang going through early in that same channel um, from an angle, which um, the keeper made a save from as well. I mean, it was all looking quite exciting, I think, at that point in the game, wasn't it, Jafar? Yeah, it was a really good start. I thought we what we did well was we we like negated Fulham's midfield because uh, Joao Polinho had played so well the week previous against Liverpool uh, to 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 isolate the centre backs down the channel. It seemed to work really well for us, and it gave Wang a lot of opportunity to stretch them and to to try and drag the centre backs apart, which worked which worked really well. Um, and probably we should have been probably two 0 up after the first 15, 20 minutes. Which is uh, really unheard of in the last in the last couple of years because we we've always like notor- notoriously been slow starters. So it's 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 a positive. It's just a shame that we couldn't capitalise it and get get at least one goal. Yeah, I mean, Tom, I don't, I don't know whether you thought either of them could have done better with with those situations in particular. Um, we'll come on to the the real glaring opportunity in a second, but yeah, it would have been nice to go one look at, at that stage. Yeah, I, th- I think by and large it was hard to be overly critical. I know the bit. It- at the keeper in theory but it was a tight angle so you know they've done I think especially in Huang's case I know we've been really critical of him in the past but I don't think he's done much wrong he's showed really good turn of pace they really you know um took the centre halves out of the game just 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 from pace alone his touch was on it and and you know he's he's a you know a half decent half decent effort um so he was frustrating but I, I think Neto was onside as well I think if that had gone to to VAR, he looked onside to me. Um, and again, I don't think he's done too much wrong. He's gone, he's gone, tried to go high, hasn't he? And sort of come, come on the inside of the keeper, and he's, he's just got a hand to it. So it was hard to be overly critical, I think. And, um, and that ball was on, that ball was on a lot, especially, especially in the first half. Um, and again, we still, for me, look, look almost dangerous on the counter, really. And that was, that was shown in those two instances. Yeah, I mean, the real kind of moment of the first half that, that kind of summed up the the real issue we've got with, with scoring goals. I mean, I'll flash that, that few screenshots of the game, but big mistake from the Fulham defence with uh, Tosin Adraboyo and uh, Rodak colliding, ball falls free to Neto. Um, Jafo, in terms of that situation, why, what do you think is going through his head there? Because he seemed to dally a little bit. I, I, if only I knew. If only I knew what was going through his head. I, I literally, see at the at the moment that we we you know we saw it, we, you'd think that's that's a certain goal, but it's it's almost like that's the the touch that he makes just pushes him into the middle of the box and it just ruins any sort of opportunity that we have. But yeah, it's a it's a shame because he, he worked really really hard Neto to get that you know cap, try and capitalize on that opportunity. So, uh, but yeah, I'm not a clue how he's managed to mess that up. Yeah, and I mean not only that, but then the Pedence follow up um <laughs> was not not something to write home about either, was no. it? No. You I summed mean, up right there, Jafo. If you I watched it back just before we came on and it's his t- his touch, it's just it goes about four yards ahead of him. If he just mm. you know, just knocks it dead or just a tiny bit in front of him, he's just gotta tap it in. But he goes his first touch after the, the cock up, 
is really bad and it just takes it you know it comes off at like 90 degrees to, to the goal at about four or five yards ahead of him if, if it's if it's you know not even a half decent touch it's a goal and then yeah Pedence I don't know what on earth he was doing I, it was I mean, just it was horrible <laughs> yeah we obviously I mean, we, we talked about Huang going through on that chance and I always find it funny that he gets a lot of stick for apparently not being able to hit a cow's ass with a banjo as the, as the old saying goes but I've always thought he's quite good at when when the chances come for him. He's actually quite good at taking them. I, I always think back to his goal against Arsenal away last season, where he nipped in front of Ramsdale, mm-hmm. tight angle, and he put it away. It, that's a, exactly the kind of situation Neto was kind of in from that sort of angle, but just that real kind of clarity of thought and and, and clarity of mind, where he just knew exactly what he should have been doing, and it, it really was just a case of a flick into the in, into the goal, and, and 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 we would have been ahead and. Straight away, the game opens up from there, doesn't it? Um, I don't, I don't know if you thought. I mean, we go in at halftime, obviously nil nil. Something seemed to change at halftime. I think where we really kind of struggled to break them down um, at all. Um, the only chance I think to speak of really yeah, is Gibbs White coming in at the back post off an eight nil cross. But do you think Fulham did something, um, you know, to switch things up a little bit? I know we weren't all over in the first half, but did they change anything for you, Jafo? Was it just? Yeah, I think when Marcos took him in at halftime, I think he's just compacted him. And I think the gap between the centre-backs and the full-backs that we were ex- exploiting, he's just took the full-backs in slighter. And then Polinia and um, Harrison Reid were dr- just dropping a little bit deeper uh, just to try and cover the defence. And he so they compacted us out. And because we've uh, not that good at pushing the ball wide and getting crosses into the box at the moment, because we haven't got that like target man, that focal point to work off that that's how we got shut out. And I think if we have sh- opened the game up and we get the first half, first uh, the goals in the first half, then it's one of them where you see the game out in the second. But because we've we've gone into nil nil, that gives them a chance to regroup and that they've they've understood what their weaknesses are and they've addressed them and, and they've uh, they've stopped that ball in in between the channels, which is unfortunate for us. But you know that's where we've got to adapt and overcome. Yeah. I mean, in, in our attempts to kind of wrestle control of the game and, and start creating chances, there was a debut for the new boy, Gonzalo Geddish. Um, sorry, one second. My uh, stream yard skills are, are not quite what they should be. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, when he came on, Tom, was you, was you happy with the fact that it was Wang that came off uh, for him? And what was you expecting from him at that stage? Um, the sub, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, again, I don't think Huang was fit, hence why he came off. And, you know, Huang's not a world-beater by any means, but I was half hoping it was Pedence that was going to come off, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, when he came on, yeah, I mean, he looked, you could see what he was about. Um, you know, quick, uh, good touch. Um, he's got a bit of, a, it seems like he had a bit of strength. I think there was what, a couple of times, I think, I don't think it was Polinia he's battling with, and or, or the centre-halves, and he really got got stuck in, got his back in between. He, you know, you could see he's got, you could see what he's about, basically. I mean, his, his first involvement was that sort of shank that he was, I think he's trying to go the outside of the foot and it just, it just went straight through to the keeper. Yeah. So that, that, that wasn't the best. That was a bit of a rough moment for me, that one. Um, but <laughs> um, other than that, I think generally, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could see what he's about and Jafo summed up perfectly there. They, the Fulham just shut the spaces off. They took their their fullbacks deeper and inside, and and we had we had the the the, the three behind the, the forward had no space to work, and that, and that sort of nullified what we had because let's face it, we've got 
got nothing else with no centre forward, unfortunately. So yeah, there wasn't. He was limited on what he could do. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll flash this up for us. This is our average positions uh, from the game from WhoScored.com, and you can see that that front four: Gizwite, Pedence, um, Huang, and Neto, all kind of strung across the uh, the front of the the pitch there. But I don't know about you. I, I found that. We were trying to be a little bit too intricate, probably. There's clearly a need to without a proper central focal point um, in the in the side. But, I mean, they're all really attractive players to watch. Um, but clearly there's something massive missing at, at the kind of sharp end of the pitch there, isn't there, Jafar? I mean, what, was, yeah. what did you make of the actual link-up between them? Uh, it, I think we just tried to do things in... in, in in too too many intricate ways, so there was too many like little short touches, little passes, and they would say when we got we're getting shut out, the two two yard passes, the three yard passes, the one twos, they were just getting blocked off, and I think a lot of that um, meant that what was going on with the front that Neves was dropping a bit too deep to try and pick the ball up, and the trying to spray it out to the fullbacks, but Ike Nuri and Johnny and then Samado who came on couldn't really affect the game because those the front the front three. Uh, slash four, we're getting sh- we're getting shut out, and so that they were everything was just trying to be a little bit too intricate. Where we probably should have just tried to bully our way through, which is where Raul would have probably been a better option. But as, as you know, we're struggling for for forwards at the moment. Well, strikers, switch forwards. Yeah, I mean, Tom, do you think did you sense this frustration from the crowd uh, in terms of? The way that we were approaching the game, I, I know for me that I, I still appreciated the intent. I think that we were trying to get on the front foot and dominate the game and possession wise and things we, we, we kind of did. And I still think we didn't really give away too much defensively, which is which is a pleasing sign. But in terms of again that attacking play, do you think the crowd were of an understanding kind of nature or? Uh, yeah, to an, to an extent. I mean, th- th- there was a, there was a really good, you know. Bruno's army sort of chant, I think, coming about, I don't know, 55, 60 minutes, I really sort of, I thought I thought they did a pretty good job, actually, of trying to, you know, G them up a little bit. I know it didn't, you know, it didn't last sort of, you know, the, the, the rest of the game. I mean, the ref obviously helped, uh, as it always does, you, you know, if, if the ref's having a stinker, then uh, it's a good way to get the crowd involved and, and raise the atmosphere a little bit. So I think that naturally helped. But in regard to... Um, the sort of style, yeah, I think by and large, I think there wasn't too many, because, you know, I often get complaints around me about passing it backwards and all this sort of stuff, which winds me up. But I didn't have that much of that. Um, whether it's just a new season, there's new season ticket holders and less people to annoy me, I don't know, as of yet, um, possibly. But uh, yeah, I, I think so, by and large. Uh, one thing I picked up on, I don't know if, if you noticed it, there seemed to be a real reluctance for especially ain't Nori, just get down the wing. The amount of times he checked back and went back inside, I didn't get that. You know, the, when ain't Nori's at his best, he's, he's got his head down yeah. and, he's, and he's dribbling down that channel, but there'd be space in front of him and he just, it just wouldn't bother. Whether that's a tactical thing, they didn't want to get caught on the counter possibly, you know, with, with just the two centre-halves back there, maybe. But I think that lost us a bit as well, to be fair. Possibly. I, think, I mean, it was picked up last week. I think... Dan said last week that, that there seems to be a lack of um, relationship between Neto and Ike Nuri, uh, and that they're struggling together to try and build up who 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 stops and who goes and and how they interact on the wing, and that's kind of holding him back. And I think we could see that a little bit yesterday, because 
a lot of the time Neto was pulling it out wide and he was staying too wide and he was like occupy, occupying the space that I knew yeah. he was going mm. to. Whereas, you know, he's not a player who goes underneath. He doesn't underlap with the ball very yeah. often. Um, so he's always lucky to go outside, but that's where, say, Pedro's standing. So I think that's something that they've got to work on on the training pitch. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I think my issue with that is I think Neto isn't quite good enough at the moment coming off the right flank or playing centrally. And <laughs> he's really at his best when he's going out down the outside of his full back onto his left foot. Cutting on to, I mean, he's, he's, he's clearly capable of using his right foot now. He, he, he seems to be quite comfortable doing that a lot more these days. But he's still, his, his raw kind of fundamental part of his game is, you know, going down the outside of his man and beating the pace. And like you say, Eight Nuri wants to do that. And the one time we did see it happen was when he crossed that ball for Gibbs White to come in at the back post and um, create a chance with it. So, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a bit of a kind of, a nuance there that we could work on to to really you know, develop attacks a bit better. But again, I, I'm not sure Neto's really got that part of his game ready yet. The, the big problem being, I think, and, and we'll kind of come on to kind of who played well and who played badly, but Pedence was kind of so off it. Um, that threat through the middle of the pitch just wasn't there um, either to kind of link up with. Um, and I think we really missed him um, having a good game. But obviously the, the major moment of the second half came you know, kind of sods law with being a Wolves fan, uh, Ryan Aitner decided to to dive in on the Bobby Deckard over Reed in the second half and, and give away a penalty just as um, our frustrations were starting to show and give them a way out of, of, of Molyneux with three points. But Jose Sarr turning up with a big save. Um, I mean, it wasn't the, the, the best of penalties from uh, Alexander Mitrovic, who'd really been marshaled brilliantly all day by... Um, Nathan Collins and Max Kilman, but I mean, up until this point, Saar hasn't saved a penalty for us. Um, and I know there's always a first time for everything, but I don't know, Tom, did you did you feel confident that something was going to happen positive for us? Uh, uh, no, I'll be honest, yeah. I thought it was going in. No, but um, you're right, Mitrovic had a terrible game. Like Everyone was so shit scared before the game, and he was dire. Um, Collins was on him. Constantly, yeah, anywhere near the ball, he goes, he'd go, yeah, he'd, he'd, uh, he'd rough him up a little bit, and it was nice to see because we've seen him do, you know, him do it to us plenty of times. Um, so no, but I did think he was going to score. I must admit, but yeah, it was nice to see Sar pull one off. Again, it's a bit concerning with Nori because that's arguably three cock ups in two games now, um, and that is one thing we're going to get with playing, you know, the, the system of playing with a four. He's not got. A centre half closer to him to to back him up and 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 get him out of dodgy situations such as that. So we all know that he's, he's awesome going forward by and large. But yeah, he's he did look so much so much better defensively last season. Um, and it's very early days, and he and he's a, and he's a cracking player. Not writing him off at all, but um, he's got to be a little bit careful because Smedo walks back in that team for me. So then it's a toss up between him and Johnny at left back. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. The bottom line is all of our fullbacks are going to suffer from just having to cover more ground this season. You know, I think there are a lot of instances where the ball got into Nascan Scabano's feet quite easily. He managed to stand uh, Johnny up a little bit and he seemed to struggle with with Cabano cutting onto his right foot and actually yep. stopping him getting away from him as well. So, but nature of a back four is that extra width is going to be there. If someone is going to go and hang out on the touchline, they will receive the ball, they're likely to get more crosses into the box and things like that. So I think there's a, a degree of us fans having to kind of accept that that's going to be the case, but understand that, you know, like they did 
at the weekend. Collins and Kilman are there to stand up and kind of be counted when the ball does come into the box as well. Um, and kind of clearly part of that conversation, you know, frustrations boiled over a little bit towards the end for Alexander Mitrovic, perhaps. Um, poor game, missed penalty, charging back to help out his defence, but a real dirty hack at Morgan Gibbs-White while we were countering. Um, and seemingly, inexplicably, um, the referee decided it was two yellows, uh, one each for Gibbs-White and Mitrovic, despite a, a bit of a butting match going on there. I mean, Jafar, I don't know how Mitrovic has managed to get away without shocking. being sent off, is it? It's so, shocking. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that both of them stayed on the pitch. I just think <laughs> the pair of them were just acting like a couple of couple of school kids, to be honest. I know he's hacked at him, but Gibbs White's got to keep his head there. He's got to try and stay calm. Um, and it's it's not good. It's not. It, we've seen a little bit of this in pre-season as well. Now, I, I, I don't mind him showing fight, but this just seems to be a little bit of a turn towards this aggressive nature. And, and so we've had a couple of the pre-season friendlies where there was a lot of yellow cards and, and a lot of aggressive tackles and nature and us standing up to the other teams. And with Gibbs White and, and Mitrovic, I say, both of them should have been sent off yesterday because the, the, you don't want to see that on the football pitch. You, you don't want to see people acting in such an aggressive manner towards each other. It's not good. It's, it's, it's not the advert that we should be putting out for the game. But I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you see it. I, I, just, I just thought, you know, there's a yellow for the tackle immediately, uh, you know, because mm. it was exactly what, you know, in, in essence, what Pedence did in the first half to stop a counter-attack and get booked for. Um, so straight away, that's... And, and then for the afters, at least a yellow for Mitrovic. Um, perhaps uh, maybe you're suggesting there that, that, you know, they should have both um, received a red. But you're talking like uh, Martinelli did um, for Arsenal last season, two yellows in quick succession. The two offences were there right in front of us. I mean, we were deep into injury time at that point. Fulham had done a pretty good job of um, making sure the ball wasn't in play for the last 20 minutes. I think, you know, by my count, there's probably about 10 minutes of football in the last 20, uh, you know, at the very most. Um, from the moment the penalty was given until the end of the game, it was just a ridiculous amount of stop-start. And, I mean, Tom, I, don't, I, I know it's frustrating and I know, um, well, Leeds fans uh, certainly dis- decided we were guilty of it last week again. I, I, I'm not sure why, because it, I, we, we were never really in a position to go out and really time waste. <laughs> but clearly referees are struggling to keep a lid on this kind of behaviour. Yeah, I mean, obviously the referee didn't help himself. He lost control, didn't he? But um, yeah, see, I'm a fan of the stop clock idea. I don't think some people are, but I, it just cuts everything out. You okay. play, you play sixty minutes, if you like. Think, it, yeah, you play sixty minutes, and you, you just stop the clock. When the yeah. ball, there's none of the time wasting. There's no taking time on a throw, goal kick, rolling around. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I think that'd be just so much, so much better. And it's not because of adverts and everything like that, because you wouldn't stop for adverts. You know, the the ball's only in play for. Is it about? 60% of the time or, or something like that on average anyway. So Yeah, I think average you're talking 55 to 60 minutes anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, more more if it's bur- less if it's Burnley <laughs> teams yeah. like that. And it, but it cuts it all out, doesn't it? It just it doesn't it doesn't happen anymore. Anyway, it's the only way to control what what, what went on yesterday because I think there was two or three separate occasions where that goalkeeper held onto the ball for over 10 seconds and the referee's done nothing about it. Yeah. He just glared at him. He's I not think, even tapped his watch. He's not even had a word. It's just something, just a little, it's an annoyance more than anything. 
I think that that and foul th- keep a hold on to the ball and foul throws are two rules within the game that have basically been erased out at some point without mm-hmm. us being told because they're two things that just don't get picked up on at all. Um, I, I mean, we've come out of it seemingly should have won, could have lost, got a point. Um, in terms of your your real standout performers on the day, we've, we've just mentioned Collins and Kilman for me. Kilman especially, I thought, was just absolute Rolls-Royce levels. He was, he was unbelievable. Do you, do, you, do you think that that partnership has a lot of promise in it? I think it, it, it's it's the modern-day partnership. I mean, they're both two centre-backs who are very, very good on the ball. They can carry the ball out. We've seen that with Kilman and Collins. They carried the ball 20, 30 yards on a couple of occasions, and they can pass the ball out. It's exactly what we need to to, to to take the football club forward and and to play progressive and attacking football that we want to see down at Molyneux because it has to come from the back. And these two young guys, you know, um, Irish and Irish and English guy, you know, fantastic. It's it's it's, it's great because the future looks bright with these two guys. You know, whether whether they're out, they're here like four or five years into the future or, or wherever, that their careers are going to be stand out because they are. Uh, excellent performers and they are the perfect example of modern centre-backs Tom does that yeah to bed the yeah, I was gonna say, about whether we yeah, well this is or... it we did like like we didn't look you know any more open than we would have done you know playing the five um I know granted it's Fulham and it's early days but yeah I think the, there's really really promising signs there um there was one in the first half where Collins just went straight. He didn't go straight through someone, but he won the ball. You know, really high up the pitch, got us on the front foot straight away. They're not afraid to play a higher line. I mean, I don't think they were, you know, neither of them particularly quick, but they were. They weren't worried to, you know, to to, to push the uh, to push the line up at all. Um, and yeah, I think I think Collins had one dodgy moment. I think when he, when he lost the ball, I think he was just trying to be a little bit clever. I think there's occasions where they're overplaying. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, that, that, that'll, that'll sort of be ironed out with time, I would have thought. Yeah, I think, to be honest, Mitrovic not being on the score sheet kind of puts a courage back to bed anyway. We all know you <laughs> probably would have eaten him alive if, if he played in that fixture. Um, I, I am curious to see what we decide to do against Tottenham, though, just because they play with wing-backs and, um, you know, perhaps there is scope for us to go back to a back three next week, especially given the, they're such a good side and... and and how we kind of play in terms of further forwards what do we make of particular I'd say Neto and Pedence because oh, I just thought they weren't at the races uh, Jafar come to you first um, yeah I, I, I think Neto played particularly too bad I, I, I know he had the glaring opportunity and he messed a couple of things up but Pedence I think he slowed the game down too much especially in the second half he was trying too much to force something and try and make that killer pass, whereas he could have just been inventive and just gone for it and tried to attack the players. But there was too many times where he's stopping with the ball at his feet at the edge of the box and just trying to wait for something to happen. Whereas, say, what he should have been using his ability to try and attack the defenders, but uh, I don't know. I don't know why he wasn't taken off. I, I think he should have been, like you said, Tom, I think he... Pedence was probably the one who should have been taken off for Geddes. Um But uh, if Wang's not fit, then so be it. You know, he, 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 it's a circumstance thing again. 
And that's that, that lack of strength in depth that you know we're still trying to address. I mean, we obviously saw Adama Traore back um, in Wolves colours as well. Um, I mean, suffered partly from just the ball not being in play for, for pretty much the entire time he was on the pitch. But do you think he's still got a role to play at the club? Obviously, he's, he's got the ability to be an impact sub there, Tom. But should we be looking to him to make an impact? Um, I don't think he's one to be relied on, um, to be honest. He's, he's like, I think... Um, I think it was Jaffa touched on this in the preview to Fulham. Like, yeah, okay, offers something something different, you know. Going back to Nuno's phrase, he's he's really unique, but um, didn't see much from him yesterday, to be honest. Um, yeah, okay, I don't like you say. I couldn't I couldn't decide if it was if it was just like he didn't have the opportunity, and he had the ball a couple of times. I mean, there's one. I don't know how many times he touched the, had the ball at his feet, probably twice, I think. But I know the one time, I just knew he was going to get tackled. He was holding on to it, holding on to it. He wanted to roll his man, he couldn't, and then he didn't know what to do. He got tackled and then Fulham counted. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if he's got that much of a role to play. I think the the the, the, the three behind, yeah, hopefully Raul I mean, or someone new, I was going to say that, that, that they're, they're really fluid. Um, they could play across, you know, they were doing it all throughout the game. They were switching positions and doing what I have. Troy's got one way of playing him, that's it. Um, you know he plays wide right, and it is a wide right. He can't play him inverted. It, ju- it just doesn't work. That's not doesn't play to his his strengths, uh, and he's not a goal threat. So yeah, maybe he's okay to have as an impact sub, but I wouldn't be relying on him for a course of a season. Yeah, I guess if you if you've got him in that wide right role without a target in the middle to hit for crosses and stuff like that, then you're probably um, you're probably not going to get the best out of him either. But the central midfield is obviously a big debate at the moment for the club in terms of bringing someone in. Um, we had Neves and Denogger in there yesterday. Jafo, what did you make of their performances? And kind of as a secondary question, João Polinia being on the opposite side um, was clearly someone who the club were potentially looking on bringing in um, this summer. Do you think he would have added anything that we were missing? Or have we are we quite comfortable with him not being in the wool shirt? Um, I I start with that with our with our two guys. I thought Dendonka really really played well yesterday. I think he did exactly what he was asked to do. His energy levels were fantastic. He was popping up at all all different points, winning the ball back, starting play transitions were really good from him. And I thought Neves probably played a little bit too deep, but I mean that's nitpicking with him because he's exceptional at getting the ball and spraying it. But yeah, I think he could have benefited from being ten yards further up the pitch. Um, with Polinia, I think Polinia, as we seen yesterday, I think as we seen last week when they played Liverpool, his his bite and grit, and um, you know destru- the destructive part of his game is something that we've actually we've missed, and Neves does it quite well and quite efficiently without being seen. But it's something that I think we need as a club to enable people like Moutinho Neves to to push forward and try and get that little bit more creative freedom to stop essentially what was happening yesterday with Neves dropping a little bit too deep because if you have somebody like that, they can pick the ball up and start the transitions and, you know, and that's, he's more suited to that role. He can drop in. He's a little bit stronger. He's a bit built, bit bigger build. You know, you stop a lot of the, the play that comes through the centre then when you have somebody like that. And I think, yeah, he would have been, I think he would have been a great asset to the club. And I think that, that I think it's a mistake to let, that they let him go to Fulham without into trying to, trying to buy him. Um, but hopefully they've got a plan. Hopefully they can bring somebody in. But it's uh, it, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. 
Tom, what do you reckon? Um, you can see what Polinia is about, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm adamant that if Neves had been sold week one of the window, Polinia would have been in the following week. I'm, I'm adamant. I think it's because Neves, they still had Neves and they earmarked him for the sort of deeper deeper role that they didn't feel they needed Polinia. I mean, the argument for that was you could have played Polinia in that role and then pushed Neves further up. Um, but Polinia plays in one position and one position only and that's, and that's like, you know, defensive mid isn't it um so if you're going to play Nevers in that role then you can't you can't play him unless you're going to play two two defensive midfielders there which I don't think Bruno wants to do and I don't think that's what he did at Benfica I think he just played just played the one um so I think yeah he looks he looked a player and I was, I was disappointed that we didn't get him to be honest but um I think it's more due to the fact we kept holding Neves while we didn't yeah. while we didn't sign him yeah I'd I... I don't really buy the whole pushing Neves further forward positionally kind of thing, just because I think his best attribute is receiving the ball and being the first point of attack in terms of finding a, a longer pass and, and threading a pass into the into the forwards. I think if you have him too high up the pitch, he's playing with his back to goal probably too much. And yeah, then you're asking him to do stuff that he's probably not built to do. Yeah, he hasn't got that kind of dexterity with his feet that someone like a Pedence has with when he receives the ball in tight areas and things. And ultimately, I think with Polina, he he would have added something in terms of the depth of the squad, yes. But I don't think he was going to raise kind of the seeding level of of, of the squad. Um, I think Dendonka is perfectly fine. You're really talking between the two of them, I think. And for me, like I say, I mean, Dendonka seems to have actually benefited from the change of shape a little bit, just because it seems there's more players ahead of him that have attacking responsibility and people aren't frustrated by his um his lack of creativity it, it's absolutely 100 is the remit that he's he's asked not to do anything i think overly uh you know technical or creative when he gets onto the ball because he just seems to lay it off quite easily but um i still think he did he did really well in the breakdowns and and, and picking up possession and stuff like that in the middle of the pitch um but was there any other notable performances for you that you want to pick out good or bad that's about it jo- johnny was disappointing I yeah. thought, um, yeah, he, he, it's a shame because he had a good, good end to last season. But um, yeah, he touched on it earlier. Cabano, and Cabano's not a world beater, is he? Um, and he, and he, he looked to be, he looked like he was on Saturday, unfortunately. Um, cause, and and he was sloppy in possession as well, which is really, really strange uh, to see. So um, I think so when Samado came on, he was only on for 10, 15 minutes, but he did. You could tell he was the best the fullback. Um, you know the best fullback we've got going. Um, just from what he did when he came on, um, he actually ran the channel on the left hand side. If I remember rightly, you know, yeah. put quite a nice uh, low low ball in, which again, centre forward might have put away. Um, so yeah, Johnny's a bit disappointing. So I think yeah, Samado's back in at right back, and then it's just uh, yeah, toss up between the other two for the left back slot. Yeah, I'm surprised that Samedo looks as sharp as he did. Given he's not, he's not had any preseason really. Um, Johnny, I, I don't understand it really because uh, being a natural right footer, he seems a lot less comfortable on the right hand side. Um, doesn't seem to, to be able to shift his feet quite as well as he does on the left. Um, but again, he could also be suffering just because he's not able to get out to his man as quickly as he used to either. Um, but I think. Defensively, uh, uh, we're we're looking quite. I mean, Bar Mitrovic, I didn't feel like we should have worried too much about Fulham in, a, in an attacking sense. Um, but at the same time, 
Yeah, they did their job. They did their job, to be honest. Um, if you had to pick a man of the match, Jafo, who are you going with? Uh, Nathan Collins for me. I thought he was brilliant. Okay. Great. Tom? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably just edge towards Kilman, but it'd be either Kilman or Collins, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I'd Kilman, really. Um, just I, I, The bloke never looks flustered in any situation whatsoever. I just absolutely love him. He, he is, you can see he's been asked to step up from a leadership perspective as well, I think, and you can, you're can noticing different things about his game now. So long may that continue. Um, we'll leave Fulham there, though. Um, not one that's going to live long in the memory, I think, but hopefully we'll uh, pick up in our next home game at Newcastle after Tottenham next week. We're going to have a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dabble a little bit into the conversation about our hierarchy at the moment and have Twitter Corner. So we'll catch you after this. Hi all, Gully from Wolves Fancast here and just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here some outside of the box thinking there but our sponsors Pixel Yeti Media are here to help they're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding and marketing needs with our very own WolvesFanCast.com a fine example of their work so much so that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer for now it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money is gone. We might have just had our answer. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Star of the show pre-match, uh, which um, was a slight surprise to us, was uh, our, our very own chairman, well, of Fosun, uh, anyway, uh, Guo Chang being in attendance and... Uh, he brought a little friend with him, seemingly in uh, in George Mendes. But uh, there's there's um, other kind of conversations going on around the the fact that they were both seen together at Molyneux. Um, seemingly, there's um, some investment potentially planned for the club as well. Talk of even the fact that you know sell to buy isn't a thing for now. Maybe we can actually go and splurge a little bit of cash. And I mean, Tom, I, I don't know if you think this is maybe a bit of a a repost to the commentary around the club this summer saying folks are not interested anymore or you know if they if they're not bothered anymore should they sell up etc etc what what did you make of it yeah that's a good point yeah i haven't thought of it like that but um yeah quite possibly i think with mendez obviously he was there when gerish signed on the tuesday i think because he was in the videos wasn't he on on the uh on his first day so he's probably hung around um it's nice, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's good to see. I mean, you know, the best times, you know, in the in the first year have been, you know, when he's been around and um, and seemingly interested. And you do see, you know, especially for our uh, illustrious uh, neighbours, where the owner just clearly doesn't give a shit and he's never there. So from that point of view, it it, it was nice to see. And um, yeah, I mean, I suppose in theory that they've spent fifty million, haven't they, already this year, not recouped anything. I don't know if this sell to buy thing. It, Sell to buy, I don't think necessarily means that. Well, being sort of self sustainable, sorry, I don't think it's the same as sell to buy. I think you can be self sufficient by still, you know, having your incomings more than your outgoings because just purely the amount of money you get from being the Premier League and all the, you know, the the riches and revenue that, that comes from it. So, um, you know, they've, they've had a net outlay of 50 mil so far, not recruits any. I mean, you know, arguably you've had something for, for Cody, but. I think the ball could be coming next season. Uh, so yeah, fingers crossed. There's, there's something in the offing. Yeah, 
you know what I mean? If if investment isn't on the horizon, um, what would your first port of call be? We've probably had this conversation uh, plenty, a number of times already this uh, summer, but uh, where are you going with that those transfer funds right now? Uh, it's a tough one. It's, it is tough to, to try and uh, look at who we could actually bring in and um, potentially not a lot of money. Um, but for me, I mean, we said it in the in the preview. I think if the the offer for Gibbs White is twenty five million plus add ons, I think, and they're easy add ons, and you start talking thirty thirty five million, pretty much guaranteed because the add ons, then that's where we sh- we should be looking to to move him on. I think I, th- I think for that sort of money, for someone who's only had one season in the championship where he's been a perform consistent performer, and I think the two games this season so far he hasn't really done a lot. I think we we could potentially make a lot of money there, and that could uh, that sort of cash injection could help us get one or two players in. Um, Sorry, Jeff, I we've uh, yeah, we've I mean, yeah, literally that comes in, the, in the comments already. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I guess there's there's more scope for it now that we've got Geds in that he could because I my personal feeling was that despite the offer and clearly it's an extortionate offer. We just had no depth whatsoever to fall back on for us to actually let him go, especially when it, it came out that it was kind of day before the opening day of the season. Now, subsequently, Nottingham Forest have gone another trolley dash uh, in the last 24 hours, haven't they? You know, Emmanuel Dennis, Giarte, and Remo Freul have all shit as the 1 0 at home against, um, against West Ham as well just today. Will they even come back in for him? And and do you, do you think off the back of the first couple of games, they they might have been put off, or do you think we should be looking to persist with him? Tom, I don't know if you've got any opinions on that. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I think if he, especially if he's not going to sign any contracts, you've got to you've got to consider it. But it's whether we've got faith in them investing the funds wisely um, or at all. <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I still think I think in that area now we're we're, we're set. If he was to go, um, again, it depends. It really depends who, who you get. You know, for me, we, if we get a, a decent centre forward option and a, another midfielder, I think you've got to say it's been a pretty good window, to be honest. Um, but we haven't utilised our special loan uh, system yet have we, that we love. So I'm hoping that, that there's, they've got a couple of aces up the sleeve with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's a case of literally, again, I know we're always talking about we're always talking about Nunes. I think I've made this point before. If, if you if the figures are lining up, so you you know you can if Gibbs White goes and you can get Nunes in, it's a no brainer for me. But um, again, it, it depends if it's the money's just going to be sat in the bank. You're better off keeping Gibbs White and seeing what happens come January, and and you know looking at it again at that point. Yeah, uh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I think. Um... There's no smoke without fire for me. And uh, like I said, the presence of, of Go in attendance at the game. Perhaps Mendes is involved somewhere along the line beyond the Geddes deal. Um, th- there's also news reported that we've offered Neves a new contract um, to make him one of the highest paid players at the club. If he, if he wasn't that already, I think it, this would definitely make him a kind of a, a, a top of the top of the pile in that sense. So who knows? Maybe... Um, Maybe there's a reinvigoration around uh, Wolves from the hierarchy and uh, we'll, we'll watch his face, I guess. Um, 
brings us to Twitter Corner, and um, we'll, we'll wrap it up after that. But um, starting with the regular contributor, Todd DeWitt. Tim for hat time. Was Cody loaned out and not sold because the board doesn't fully trust Large? If he and his back four doesn't work out, the board can sack Large and bring back Cody to see how he works in the new manager system. That um, feels a bit of a conspiracy theory, to be honest. Yeah. But... Jafar, what yeah. do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I'll throw more tinfoil onto the hat if you want. So I, I listen to what people say when, when I'm around. And uh, one of the things that I heard got said was that Lars just sold his house and he's not moving his family over. So add that onto what you will. But I'm, I'm taking all of that with a massive grain of salt. But <laughs> yeah, I'll add more tinfoil on. Oh, it's, it's a conspiracy. Yeah, I mean... It's not. It's not. It's not a given that you know Bruno Large is going to say out of the season, is it? We, you know, obviously things are going to be performance related in, in in terms of his future at the club. But do you think Cody's position within that is is a factor, Tom? Do you think do you see him potentially actually coming back to Wolves and, and playing a role? Uh, no, I can't see it. I, I don't think. I think he's he's gone now. Um, you know. So I mean, it did, it's quite ironic, wasn't it, that uh, he got subbed for Everton when they decided to go to a back four. So even though I think he's not able to play in the back four, so that may be chuckle. I mean, I love the bloke. I do love the bloke still. But, um, that did make me laugh. Um, you can't no, get away no. from it. You can't yeah, get away from it. Can't. This is it. Right. He's, he's yeah. done. But I think it's more. It's more for me. I don't think Lampard's going to last a season at Everton. So what if uh, you know? And this is why maybe the deal won't go through. You know, when that manager doesn't want to play five at the back, and therefore you know Cody's not going to be playing in a four. So. I think that's more likely, um, but no, I think no, I, th- I think I've, I've got a bit of respect for Large because he's gone, he's gone, he's gone all in on four at the back, and and you know there's enough fans screaming for it last season, so let, you know fair, fair play to him in a way. Um, yeah, the, okay, the circumstance of the deal, whether you know the loan isn't the best. Obviously, we, we would have all wanted it to be a permanent thing done and dusted, and got money in the bank for it. But um, yeah, he's gone all in, and and uh, fair play to him for that. Well, zero points out of six for Everton so far this season, so that's uh, it's all going well. At <laughs> uh, check the place. Uh, is there a danger that results end of last season combined with the start of this one make players like Neves and Bongis White more actively seek a move? I mean, I don't think there's any suggestion that Neves wasn't kind of on the lookout for something anyway. Um, I think he understands that he's come to a point in his career where you know, he could do with getting into those the upper echelons of the league, but maybe he has been priced out. Jafar, what do you, do you reckon to that question? It's a tough one because I think a lot of the back end of last season was just, we. I think, because we knew we couldn't get anything, the whole steam just went out of it. And and the, I, I hate when it, when it happens, but the players were almost on the beach for the last five games. We've come in this season. The first two results, I know they've not been ideal. Um, we got off the mark yesterday with a point, but you can see parallels to the start of last season. We're trying something new, and it's it's not going to change overnight. We've started really well in the friendlies. Fantastic. We we played well. We got some good results. Scored a lot of goals, especially in the Besiktas game. And you can see where it was really working. But to actually translate that into a league game and to actually get start to get points in the Premier League, changing the whole philosophy and evolving what we're doing as a football club is, is difficult and I don't think we'll start to see the riches of it until four or five games into the season so I think 
once we'd say the normal cliche, 10 games into the season, we'll see where we are. And I think it's our second five games, six to 10 in the season, where we'll really see what it's about. And I think we'll start to see the development and the riches of what we've got as a football club moving forward and playing this more progressive football. And we'll see what it's all about then. I think until then, I think there's a slight uh, period of adaptation, even though they've been doing it for a pre-season. I think that that'll translate onto the pitch through the league. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go along with that. I think um, old habits die hard. You, you could sit there's so many things that are still ingrained in us. Um, they just don't they don't want to put the ball in the box. That, that, that that's that's clear. They, don't, they want to put any, any sort of height on a cross. Um, it has to be on the floor or not at all, and that's fair enough because you know we've got no one in there at the moment. And, and last season there'd be Jimenez if that, and he didn't want to head the ball. So. Um, that's so it's just sort of ingrained in them. I still, as I get again, I, you know, still think we, you know, we look much better on the counter attack. And when teams sit in, we we really do struggle. And it's going to be some sort of, you know, they're going to have to work a way around that for sure. Um, and you see with other teams as well. I mean, look, I mean, we'll have a little laugh at Man United's expense, but they've had a new manager, new way of playing, new coaching staff, and they're exactly the same team. Yeah. You know, so you know, so there's, there's the personnel factor as well. You know, these. Fortunately, a lot of these forward players they don't score goals. So you know, is that going to change just just by um, you know a few little tactical tweaks here and there? And and I also want to point: it's not you can't level the last two games at Bruno at all because it's clear as day that we need a striker, um, and you, you can't account for the chances that we that we've missed. Um, you know, you can get the players in the positions, but it's up to them to stick the ball in the net, and you can't. Um, legislate for the cock-ups at Leeds either really um, so as much as Lodge does have his faults you, you can't level the last two two games at him I think you know the, 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 there's a lot there's a lot on the players and the, and the personnel and you know unless they want to invest in a decent striker I think you know it's going to unfortunately be, be running over this season as well as it was last season Yeah I, I mean talking to strikers our next question uh, slight change attack in terms of the, the current team, but at B-Townley, is Fabio wasting his time in Belgium? Many were worried the league wouldn't be a challenge for him, and it looks like that's the case. Back on the score sheet again today, uh, four out of five, I think it is, at this stage. Um, Jafo, what do you make of that? I, I think, personally, that it, it, it couldn't be a better move for him, really, at this point in his career. And just um, to see him scoring goals, I'm so pleased with him. I'm on the same page as you. I think it's fantastic. I think it's exactly what he needs to be out there, playing week in, week out. I know it's going to be a lot easier than for him in the, than the Premier League because that's the state, stage of the Belgian League. But scoring goals at the age of 20 is fantastic. That's exactly what he needs to really push his confidence and push him through. To Levy, that we kind of need him here, I think probably isn't the right way to look at it because he's not the type of footballer we probably needed yesterday. I think if people have been watching what he's been doing in Anderlecht, a lot of his runs and his goals have come running off the shoulder of defenders. I think what we need as a football club yesterday and what we've seen is we need somebody to link up, play someone to drop ball, drop deep to get the ball, to move it and transition it. And I don't think he's a focal point sort of striker yet. I think his strengths are running behind, breaking the lines as a striker. And I think... That there is a massive difference between him and Roll. I think to compare the two of them is difficult because that they play the game so differently. 
the only the only thing you could say is the one goal that he has scored for Anderlecht was very similar to one that Ralph scored against Man United a couple of years ago. But I yes, think if they're going to bring yeah. someone in, it's got to be someone who works as a focal point. I think Batshuayi is quite good at that, who has been linked. I think he plays well with his back to goal uh, and links up the player really well. But it's something that they've got to look at and they've got to look for a player who can, like I said, play with his back to goal and link up the play. And that's something that Fabio, because of his age and I think of his, his lack of strength and development at this point, he can't really do. It's something he's got to work on. I think that's what he'll do while he's in Belgium. And I think we'll see more and more of that. Yeah, Tom, have you been following Fabio closely? Like, I assume every Wolves fan on the planet is. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, the boy can't win, can he? I mean, what's the question? It's like they're saying it's too easy for him now. I mean, what is he... Do you know what I mean? If he's, if he's not scoring, oh, he's shit, he, he can't score any goals. And if he's scoring goals, it's too easy. You know, the league's too easy. I mean, what's he supposed to do? Um, I think, like, you, like, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a great move for him. And to criticise him for scoring goals is ludicrous. Um so uh, yeah, I, I I might just switch. I, I I don't. I think I completely agree what you said, Jafo. But I'd have liked to have seen how he got on in, especially against Fulham, um, mm. because he's he's still a bit of a fox in the box for me. I mean, he's had a couple of goals where he's um, you know, sort of got a lot of one on one with the keeper. But his movement is incredible. I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. His movement as a as a striker is is brilliant. It's so good. And that's one of those things that you, you know it's really hard to teach. So. Um, yeah, let's just um, let's just hope we reap the rewards of that next season. But no, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm chuffed for him. And he got an assist as well today. I think I think he had a goal and an assist. I think. Yeah. What I liked about his goal today was the fact that he was a header. I, I don't think I've ever seen him connect cleanly with a header. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it was it was a it was a really well guided goal. Um, so yeah, another string to his bow. I mean, we've had a question here from Paul in the comments. Do you think we'll bring him back in January if we're struggling? I mean. We've we've done this before with Gibbs White, haven't we? Where he was he was on a real good roll. I know he was injured kind of at the time that um, we recalled him from Swansea. But if we'd have left him out, you know, at Swansea for the second half of that season, you know, who knows where where he could have been? That you know, at the, at the start of that final um, that's the season with Bruno potentially. You know, he could have been you know absolutely flying like he seems to. I mean, I know he's not necessarily hit the ground running at this point but it's a dangerous move taking a player away from a good spell of form and a good spell of games isn't it it's going to be it's one of them it's like we have to be in a disastrous situation for him to come back like literally we're, we're gonna have to have no forwards left so even chem campbell after the last be injured i think to bring him yeah. back because there's no point in, in messing up what is essentially the season to make fabio silver we don't yeah. need to bring him back just we I mean, he needs to stay there. At the at the rate he's going, you're talking by the time the World Cup comes around and then it's January, he scored probably ten to fifteen goals. He's gonna win the golden boot at the World Cup, obviously. Um <laughs> and then he's gonna come back and take the Premier League by storm. So if he comes back and plays ninety metres every week, then there's obviously an If we're not gonna do that, please, please just leave the boy alone. Let him go and bag hatfuls of, of goals in the Belgian league. Who gives a shit what standard it is? And you know, then he will be buzzing by the start of the season, and then you know you've got a player on your hands where you can kind of say to Raul plus whichever striker you might bring in this season, look, guys, I ain't being funny, but until you can reach the levels that this bloke has shown over the last twelve months, 
then um, you're not going to be in the side. And I just think he's so he's so in tune with like Pedence um, and and you know the other some of the other um, forwards in the. I, I still think Forest away. I know Forest were terrible uh, in the Carabao Cup last season. I think we had Fabio Pedence and Gibbs White started that game up front. Even though it took us an hour to score a goal, the three of them, in terms of their their link up play and everything, he was un, they were unbelievable. You know, and you know, it was a really exciting time to be a Wolves fan watching that game. But yeah, just leave the boy alone for me. I think um, he's best best uh, left in Anderlecht where he can um, absolutely smash up the Jupiler Pro League, as it's called. Um, we'll have one final question from our very own Richard Hobbs. Um, what needs to happen in the next two weeks for this to be classed as a good transfer window? For me, a centre midfielder who can carry the ball and a striker, and I think we're on to a winner. Jafo, come to you first. Yeah, bang on. I agree with you 100% on that. I think the centre mid, I think we touched on it in the preview, and we took, you touched on it then again. That's an area we have to focus on. We just don't have the numbers there. We just don't have the the, the volume. We can see in every other area the um, skin fade comment for Fabio Sorrell. I love that. But um, the. Um, yeah, so in every other area of the pitch, you've got two players for every position. At the moment, I don't think we've got two for each of the midfielders because Conor Ronan, then they've not bought him off the bench yet. Uh, Luke Kundal, um still needs development time. You need somebody in there who's going to challenge the status quo because once again, Moutinho is going to be here for another 12 months. Uh, and you know, how much, how much, how many games are he going to play? You know, he's already missed the first two with injury. Um, he might be one of them seasons where he only manages to play a quarter of the games or a third of the games. So there's no depth. And you say your two senior players are Dendonka and Neves. That's that's a hell of an ass to ask them to, to go a whole season without one getting suspended and two getting injured. So, yeah, yeah central midfielder. And, yeah, as we've touched on, a striker's <laughs> crucial for us. It really is. I think that's going to make or break what, whether we finish top half or whether we finish in the top of the, the top, well, the, between 11th and 15th. I think that's really going to make or break where we finish. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical. Um, Neves is guaranteed to be suspended for at least two or three games a season. He, he, he loves a booking. Um, but there, there was games in pre-season where he played the three of them. He played Neves, Matinho and Donk. And then, you know, literally, literally got to stick with those for the whole game because you've got no other option. And I don't think... We'll see, we'll see what happens at Spurs, but I don't think he's going to play the so-called bigger sides with the front four. I think he needs an extra body if he's not going to play it across the back, which I don't edging towards. Maybe he's not going to. That he then he'll need to play another body in midfield, and so it's just a necessity. It's absolute necessity to to, to get one in. I completely agree. Kundal's not ready for me. Um, he needs some some football a bit further down. And well, if we, uh, if we yeah, do go striker. back to if we did go back to Spurs away last season, Kundal started that one. We came out with a 2 0 win. It's uh, five at the back, Jeff, uh, five at the back, though. Gully won it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we saw in pre season they did do the um, the three across midfield with, with the three forwards. And um, obviously, that was Matinho involved uh, with, with Neves and Dendonka. Argument that Matinho might be available uh, for Spurs. I think the suggestion is that he, he might be back in squad. I doubt he'll be starting that game, though. Um, but there was a, another comment thrown up here about need for a fullback. Yeah, we're not we're not totally you know blessed in that area at the moment. Obviously, uh, Hugo Bueno is ostensibly the the backup left back 
at this stage. Nelson Tomato coming back into it is, is a big plus, clearly. And um, we know Ryan Aitnuri can struggle with um, you know a flurry of games and the intensity of them uh, in the past anyway. So maybe there's a need to, to bring someone in there. I agree. Yeah, I've said that as well. They've all, all three of them have got question marks on their fitness, haven't they? So, um, you know, Johnny goes down with another knee injury, then you've got to play two fullbacks all, you know, the same two fullbacks all season, which isn't going to happen. So, um, yeah, I agree. I know he's, he's, he's tried Totty at left back, hasn't he? I'm a scare at right back, but just it, it, the games I've watched, it hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. A, a Poolist style of. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder why Ryan Giles was sent out on loan. I know he's doing really well again, and I think he's developing and the more and more he plays. But should he have been the one who was kept instead of Hugo Bueno? For me, probably, and send Bueno out on loan. Um, because from what he was doing last season at Cardiff and what he was doing at Millsborough uh, now, is you can you can really see that guy's developing. He's, he's going to... You know, he's looking like he can sort of be in a Premier League team, although bottom, bottom half Premier League team. But he's got the attributes, he's got the ability to to, to be in and around that squad. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a strange one to send him out and then keep Bueno. But... Sorry, so, sorry to kill you, Jafar, but I'm goal yeah. for Ryan Giles today. It's a tasty one. Oh, as well. it? <laughs> yeah, I, haven't seen, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. So unfortunately, unfortunately I'm. Uh... I I don't know if he's a left back though. I think I think a wing back. You can see it, him having a role, but a, a proper left back. I, I do wonder if he's got that in his game. But yeah, the whole fudging a centre off in there really doesn't sit well with me at all. And so I'm hoping that he's not seeing Mascara and Gomez as um, as the backup fullback. Hey, yeah, Collins can Collins can play right back apparently. <laughs> okay, <so> he's, <laughs> it's not he's, nah, not for me. He's he's brought up at Stoke. That's what they do there. Oh, um, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Um, we'll call it a day there, guys. We managed to drag out an hour of content from an ill-nil draw. So um, well done, well done, Tom and Jafar. <laughs> um, but obviously, we'll uh, be back with a preview show in the week. I'll be doing uh, the first GTA this season as well, uh, looking at the the Fulham draw. A couple of things um, pulled out from that one. Uh, with the data and analytics uh, available to me as well. So look out for that in the next few days. Um, but for myself, Gully, Jafo, Tom, the 90 Min Network, Pixel Yeti Media, etc., etc., it's good night and on to Spurs away. <laughs>